0: Chapter 40 of the Border Bandits. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. The James Boys Heard From Again. The Border Bandits by J. W. Buell. The Train Robbery at Winston, Missouri july fifteenth eighteen eighty eighteen eighty-one. Fifty thousand dollars reward offered for the arrest of the guilty parties the border outlaws those whose crimes began with the hot and infectious breath of war and left a bloody trail around jackson clay and harrison counties missouri still survived to wreak a desperate vengeance and live by tributes levied upon corporations and individuals Many of the old band, it is true, have been pulsed by death, dying, belted, and armed, by a fate anticipated. But like the excision of a cancer, the germs have remained from which a new growth has constantly developed to harass the state and disorder society. The James boys, aside from their reckless courage, are possessed of extraordinary capabilities, cunning resource, domineering resolution, woodscraft, and dash as if by a thorough consideration of the beneficial result to be secured thereby they first terrorized the people of western missouri and then heroized themselves in the eyes of those whose political sympathies were in consonance with their own thus upon the one side the people were afraid to attempt any punishment of the outlaws or give information of their rendezvous while upon the other they were protected and encouraged without concealment it is for these reasons that the james boys and their confreres have eluded every pursuit and have been able to give free license to their impious passions there were peculiar features however connected with every outrage perpetuated by the james gang which readily manifest them in the deed among these several distinguishing features are their appearance in the vicinity where the robbery occurs some days before its accomplishment the thorough maturity of their plans, the wearing of long linen dusters, unhesitating disposition to commit murder, a splendid mount, the invariable sack carried in which to deposit the plunder, the line of retreat, always southward when the robbery has been committed north of Clay County, and vice versa, masks of red handkerchiefs, and the ease with which pursuit is eluded." In addition to these unmistakable peculiarities, another fact is particularly noticeable. Viz. within twenty-four hours after the James boys commit a robbery, Mrs. Samuels, their mother, never fails to make her appearance in Kansas City, the purpose of these visits being undoubtedly to discover what means are employed, looking to the apprehension of the gang, and gather up any and all such information as might prove serviceable in aiding the escape of her sons considering well all these points of evidence any shrewd analyzer of human nature can readily determine whether or not either of the james boys was connected with any robbery reported on the night of july fifteenth eighteen eighty one an outward-going passenger train from kansas city over the chicago Rock Island and Pacific Railroad was robbed at Winston Station, Davis County, Missouri, under the following circumstances. The train left Kansas City at 6.30 p.m. in charge of William Westfall, the conductor, Woolcott, the engineer, and Charlie Murray, express messenger. The train consisted of six coaches and a sleeper, all of which were well filled with passengers. Reaching Cameron, a stop was made for supper, and when the train started off two men were observed to jump on each of whom wore a large red bandana handkerchief around his neck partly concealing his features nothing indicative of the robbers intentions however transpired until the train reached winston at nine thirty p m at which station four men took passage each having his face covered with a handkerchief identical with those worn by the two that got on at cameron and all wearing long linen dusters getting under headway again the train had proceeded nearly one mile from winston when suddenly as conductor westfall appeared in the second car to collect tickets the passengers were startled by the largest of the robbers rising from his seat and shouting out in a loud voice all aboard which was the signal fraction the large man heavily masked with the red handkerchief as were all the others seven in number thrust out a large pistol and saying to westfall "'You are the man I want. Fired!' "'The ball struck Westfall in the arm, producing only a flesh wound. "'But as the wounded man turned to run out of the car, two more shots were fired by the same robber, without effect. "'This bad shooting seemed to exasperate another of the outlaws, "'who gave an exhibition of his skill by shooting Westfall in the brain, "'killing him instantly, the body falling off the platform onto the ground. "'While this unprovoked murder was being perpetuated,' three others of the outlaw gang rushed through the cars toward the engine wild confusion followed and a stonemason named j mcculloch from iowa who had been working near winston attempted to get out of the baggage car as the robbers entered it suspecting that he was either the engineer or intent upon raising an alarm one of the outlaws shot him dead and pushed his body off the train which had now come to a stop the robbers then went about their business of robbing two mounting the engine, three were left to guard the passengers, while the remaining two made for the express car. Mr. Murray, the express agent, hearing firing and suspecting the real cause, made a hasty attempt to close and lock the doors of his car, which had been left open due to the oppressively warm weather. But while he was thus engaged, one of the robbers jumped through the partly closed door, and grabbing Murray, struck him a violent blow in the head with his pistol, at the same time saying, "'Open up, damn you, or I'll kill you!' Looking into the muzzles of two large pistols, Murray was forced to comply, and delivered up the safe-keys. The treasure-box was quickly opened, and its contents extracted, consisting of coin and currency to the amount of $8,000 or $10,000, which was thrown into a sack the outlaws carried for the purpose. The train then started up by one of the robbers, but after proceeding a few hundred yards stopped again, and the bold freebooters jumped off, running for their horses, which were tied in a clump of trees less than one hundred yards from the track. They did not take the time to untie their horses, but cut the reins, and mounting, rode in a half-circuit around Cameron, then took a course almost due south. They crossed the Missouri River, near Sibley's Landing, in couples, having divided up immediately after the robbery was consummated. On the morning following the robbery, an examination of the immediate vicinity about where the train was stopped resulted in finding where the robbers had tied their horses and there lying on the ground was found the following letter kansas city july twelfth charlie i got your letter today, and was glad to hear that you had got everything ready in time for the fifteenth we will be on hand at the time bill will be with us we will be on the train don't fear we will be in the smoker at winston "'Have the horses and boys in good fix for fast work. "'We will make this point again on the night of the 16th. "'All is right here. "'Frank will meet us at Cameron. "'Look sharp and be well fixed. "'Have the horses well gaunted, "'for we may have some running to do. "'Don't get excited, but keep cool till right time. "'Wilcox or Walcott will be on the engine. "'I think best to send this to Kidder. "'Yours, time and through death, slick.' After receiving the first particulars of the robbery by telegraph, I went to Kansas City, and from thence to various points in the vicinity, for the purpose of prosecuting an investigation, with the view of discovering, if possible, who the outlaws were, where they came from, whither they went, and how the authorities prosecuted the pursuit. From these efforts I am prepared to state with circumstantial positiveness that Frank James and Jim Cummings with the parties who planned and with the aid of their confrères executed the robbery at Winston and that the proof may not be wanting the following several facts are recited a few weeks ago I received a letter from Frank James acknowledging the receipt of a copy of Border Outlaws which I sent to him by a relative shortly after its receipt this same relative who is known to be in communication with Frank James visited St Louis and confidentially conferred with my publisher upon the advantages which we might mutually reap by sudden stimulation in the sale of border outlaws, for which he was then acting as agent. His proposition embraced a statement that Frank James and Jim Cummings were at that time in Missouri planning a campaign, that a large robbery would soon be consummated, attending with some startling results. All these facts he agreed to furnish us the very moment the robbery should be completed comprising the names of those engaged how they had organized where assembled cause for their acts etc provided my publisher would give him a certain sum of money the incentive on our part to comply with his proposition was in securing this reliable information which might be added as an appendix to a new edition of border outlaws and issued contemporaneously with the first newspaper reports therefore creating a largely increased demand for the book. Of course, there appeared so much doubt involved in this singular proffer, and the proposition within itself being of such questionable character, that it was rejected with little consideration of the probability of a robbery such as was declared about to take place. At this time, however, the assertions then made assume an interest which throws much light upon the problem, who committed the robbery. But this is not all the evidence i am in possession of respecting this latest adventure of the old gang in pursuing my investigations i visited olath kansas twenty miles south of kansas city and there found a gentleman well known in that town who had met frank james walking on the south side of olath's public square well armed on the tenth instant or only five days before the robbery occurred it was not a mistaken identity For the gentleman in question was raised within four miles of the present residence of the James boys' parents, and was for years upon terms the greatest social intimacy with them, attending the same school, participating in the same sports, and in later years meeting with them as old acquaintances. Being well acquainted myself in Olath, I can positively state that this information regarding the presence of Frank James in the town referred to is true beyond all doubt but what his business was, or when he left, I could not ascertain. Within eighteen hours after the robbery, Mrs. Samuels appeared in Kansas City, evidently for the purpose of collecting such information as might be useful to Frank James and his Confederates. She talked freely of the robbery, but protested with repeated declarations that both Frank and Jesse were dead, going so far in her assertions as to say that Frank died three years ago of consumption in Texas. What she hoped to gain by a claim so easily disproved, it is difficult to conjecture. From the best evidence attainable, the gang who robbed the Rock Island and Pacific train, among whom were Frank James, Ed Miller, Jim Cummings, and Dick Little, after leaving the train, mounted their horses and rode southwestwardly until they reached the outskirts of Cameron, when they turned and took to the brush again, making directly for the Missouri River, which they crossed near Sibley's Landing, and on the following evening, the 16th, they certainly passed through Sneetabar Township of Jackson County, taking a south-westwardly course, continued on to the Indian Territory. The party, however, did not remain intact, but divided into couples, so as to destroy the trail, which so large a number as seven riders would have made conspicuous. They were at no time so far apart, though, but that a prearranged signal would have concentrated the outlaws. It is a singular fact that, with all the atrocious crimes credited to the James Boys and their confederates, there was not so much as one dollar of reward offered at the time of the Winston robbery, although at one time the rewards offered by the state and railroad and express companies aggregated seventy five thousand dollars. During Governor Hardin's administration nearly all the rewards offered by the state were withdrawn then the private corporations that had suffered so seriously at the hands of the bold knights of the road withdrew the incentives they had advertised after which governor phelps wiped out the few figures remaining on the twenty sixth of july eleven days after the train robbery at winston governor crittenden visited st louis and called a meeting of the leading railroad officials in the gentlemen's parlour of the Southern Hotel. The call was responded to by representatives from nearly all the principal roads running into Kansas City and St. Louis, and upon assembling plans were thoroughly discussed for the apprehension of the notorious outlaws who have wrought such injury to Missouri's reputation. The session lasted for nearly four hours, though there was the greatest unanimity of feeling and disposition. And at its conclusion, the governor expressed much gratification at the results. The power of the executive is limited by law, so that he could not offer a state reward sufficiently large to accomplish the arrest of such notorious desperadoes as the James Boys and their gang were known to be. So he conceived the excellent idea of calling upon the interested railroad corporations for needful assistance. The result of this conference was the immediate issuance of a proclamation by Governor Crittenden in which an aggregate reward of $55,000 was offered for the capture of seven train robbers, or $5,000 for the arrest and conviction of each one of the robber gang. This proclamation was supplemented by the offer of an additional reward of $5,000 each for the arrest of Jesse and Frank James and delivery of their bodies to the sheriff of davis county and a further reward of five thousand dollars each for their conviction the public which generally speaking believe that jesse james was never shot by jeffrey shepherd credit the assertion made by many that both frank and jesse were engaged in the winston robbery but whatever the impression this belief is undoubtedly without foundation the most intimate acquaintances of jesse james those who have seen him many times during the past year, are ready to make oath that he is a paralytic from the effects of Geoffrey Shepherd's shot, in fact in a demented, helpless condition. At one time, arrangements were about perfected, through the outlaw's cousin, by which I was to have a personal interview with Frank James, each of us to be accompanied by a friend, but owing to some engagement which was never explained to me, that meeting never occurred. Frank, after receiving a copy of Border Outlaws, expressed a desire to make a statement, with the understanding that I would embody it in all subsequent editions of the book. This I agreed to do, but I am now convinced that the intended interview was not granted because of the engagement which was kept at Winston. End of Chapter 40 End of The Border Bandits by J. W. Buell